Well, come on, Grace. So who's excited to be in the house of the Lord today? You got to make a little bit of noise. Come on, man. Man, it is so good to see you. I want to welcome everybody also watching online, and today's a big surprise. I'm actually live here at our Gracing campus, which I'm so excited about to be able to hang out with you guys and meet so many new faces and friends. That is awesome. And also, we are one church in two locations. We also have a Moorhead campus. Come on, can we get up for our Moorhead campus? They're tuning in with us. What's up, guys? Man, this is such an awesome privilege and honor to be able to hang out and preach with you. I tell you what, I'm just so stoked uh, to be here. We had an amazing uh, first worship experience, and I'm excited about what God has to do today to speak into your life. I do know this, you're not watching this or you're not here by accident. God knew you would be here, and that means he has a word that he wants to speak into your life, and I just hope you receive it, that you just open up your heart to hear what Jesus has to say to you today. You know, two weeks ago, I was in Panama City Beach, Florida. I was at a camp. My wife, we go to this camp. My whole family goes for the last seven years, and I was preaching in there all week long at this camp. And we saw 18 students give their life to Jesus. Come on now, is that something to celebrate? We should give you some praise for that. It was so much fun. Several students called in to ministry, which that's something for us to give him shout and praise. In fact, Psalms 105 says, let everything that has breath, that's me, that's you. If you're still alive, you still have a purpose. Let everyone who has breath praise the Lord. And so we should continue to give him praise for what he's doing in our life. Now, this series called Summer Playlist. Usually through the summer, we do this. We'll find a series where we have, you know, different uh, communicators and pastors come in and preach and share. And last week here at our Grayson campus, Pastor Aaron kicked us off at our Moorhead campus. Pastor Adam did. And it's great. They started Acts 1. And today I'm going to go to Acts 16. So if you have your Bible or your phone, whatever you want to do, pull up uh, Acts chapter 16, because we're going to talk a little bit about this word praise. And so you think about summer playlist, you're thinking about your phone, what's on your playlist? Like what do you play? Like what's ringing in your ear? And, and for me, there's a song for the last three or four months. I just, it's just like all the time, 24-7. It's a song called Gyra uh, from Elevation Worship, Maverick City. And at last night, it was about midnight. I was laying in bed and looked at my wife and I said, honey, I should preach on Gyra. What was I thinking? That's my playlist. That's what it's on. It is Gyra. And I almost called an audible, y'all. Like I almost like you, 12 o'clock. I say, just get, we'll, we'll figure it out. And, uh, but maybe next time that's what the Lord had we talk about. But today I want to talk about praise, which is falling in the, your playlist, right? What's some praise? What's some worship that's going on? And I'm going to talk about the different ways and things that maybe we could praise the Lord in our life. But let's just be honest. Right now, for some people, it's hard to praise. See, it's always easy to praise God in the good things, right? You got the job. You got the promotion. You know, you, you finally got a date. Can I get a witness, right? I mean, you find, like, I can now start praising the Lord. Things are going well. But what about in the tough times? What about when you don't feel like praising because you got marital problems? I don't want to praise him. Or you got addiction issue. Or you, or you got uh, uh, friends relationship issues. Or something you're like, Man, I don't feel like praising. And we just want to wait to praise him when we feel like giving him praise. So what do you do in the meantime when you don't even feel like wanting to praise uh, God in your life? And so I, I want to encourage you that praise is the pathway to miracles in your life. And if you need a miracle in your life, relationally, financially, whatever it may be, if you need a miracle in your life, praise is what is the pathway that breaks forth for the miracle to move forth in your life. And so praise is huge and, and is really, really important for us to learn how to praise the Lord, even in the good times and the bad times. So my question is, if praise is determined miracles, if that is true, what type of miracles would be in your life right now? Are you seeing any miracles right now in your life? Could it be because you're not praising him? 
Because I believe that praise will break through in your life and you will see and experience miracles when you begin just to praise him. And that's what we'll talk about today in Acts chapter 16. Uh, so if you, if you have your Bible, you go to Acts 16. So we'll give you some context. There's this little girl. She's probably, I would say, uh, probably close to 12, 13. She's probably in her early teens right there. There's this little young girl who, for some reason, has been possessed by a demon. And through this demon, through her, she's able to somehow speak a little bit about fortunes in people's lives. Say what's going to happen, some things about them. And you may have heard of fortune tellers, things like that. And so this guy picks up on it. This is a slave girl. And he thought to himself, dude, I can make some money. I can make some passive income off this. This is going to be great. And so he takes the girl and he begins to take people money to meet with this little girl because she's going to tell you something about your future. She's going to give you a fortune about it. And so she keeps doing this, and the guy's just counting his Benjamins, man. He's just racking up on money, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is good, man. It's a great investment. Things are going well. Well, Paul and Silas enters into the city. And this girl looks over at Paul, and she begins to proclaim and screams at everyone, these guys will tell you how to be saved. They serve the Most High God. And Paul's like, thank you. Yeah, we do. We serve, and we'll tell you how to be saved. But all week long, this little girl was nagging Paul through the spirit, always nagging, nagging, nagging. So Paul finally turns around and rebukes the demon in her and says, in the name of Jesus, flee. And man, wouldn't that be cool to see on YouTube? You know what I'm saying? Like, wouldn't that, that's a video like I watch on TikTok. Oh, and the demon screams and it leaves this girl. And next thing you know, she's normal. Everything's fine. And she can't tell the future anymore. She can't speak fortunes over people's lives. And guess what happens? The owner the guy investment just got cut off because now his way of living, making money was completely gone. So he gets upset. He, he gets Paul and Silas and takes them into the middle of the city. And he gets everybody around and says, these guys are teaching teachings that are against the Roman culture. And we should do something about them. And a big mob comes and everyone's all upset. All because Paul and Silas was just sharing the gospel. They're just trying to get the word out. And so that's what we pick up with as the context in, in verse 22. So if you're ready to get started, say, let's go. I had three cups of coffee. Y'all better sing me down. Trace, we're coming. Trace, we're coming. All right, Acts 16, 22. It says this. It says, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. Why? It's because he rebuked the demon. The man came and put Paul and Silas in the middle of the city. Here's what takes place. The city officials ordered them to strip, to be stripped and beaten with a wooden rod. Now, I doubt you've been beaten with a wooden rod back in Pike County where I'm from. This is called a whooping, not a whipping. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know the difference. This is a whooping. Like back in the day, you had to go cut your own switch. You know what I'm saying? Am I preaching to anybody? You, millennials like, what's a switch? You don't know what a switch is, man. Like when I was in grade school, they had like a wooden paddle. I still have a tattoo somewhere back here from that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, they, they gave you a whooping. These guys got a whooping. And they got beaten. In fact, statistically or historically, usually, unless you're being crucified, they would actually whip you with 90, I mean, 40 lashes, 40 times. But at this time, if you weren't going to be crucified, they always minus one. So the scriptures don't say this, but Paul and Silas was probably beaten 39 times with a wooden rod. Now think about that. All you're doing is sharing the gospel. All you're doing is set this little girl free, and now you've been lied about. There's rumors about you, people falsely accusing you, and now you're beaten for something that you're doing for the Lord. That don't give you any reason to praise him. So let's just keep reading. What's going on? Verse 23. So they were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison, as if being beaten was enough. Now they're in jail. And the and in verse 20, as in the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. And then verse 24 says, So the jailer put them into the inner 
dungeon and then clamp them in the stocks, their feet in stocks. Now, th- th- this is, when I was reading that, it said they put them in the inner dungeon. This is like confinement. This is where there's no light. The sanitary is like a porta potty. You know what I'm saying? Like, this ain't a good place. This ain't good. This is a place that we don't want you out. You will not escape. Not only is there a jail, there's like a jail inside the jail, and you cannot get out. You are in confinement. You are in the inner dungeon. And let me tell you what, isn't it amazing how the enemy wants us to be locked by deception in an inner dungeon. You know what that is today? Right here's what the enemy wants. This is the battlefield. This is what the enemy's after. Right here is your mind. If he can lock you up by deception, Paul calls it a fortified city. Only truth and the word and praise can either break through those chains that hold you back. This is the chain that holds us back. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I will never have enough. I'll never be like. I'll never become. I'll never have that. And you have all that. No one loves me. All these thoughts where you're depressed, you're anxious, whatever it may be is right here and it's this inner dungeon that holds us and keeps us captives and locks us in by deception and will cause us not to be everything that God wants for us right here is the battlefield this is the battlefield and then it says it clamps their feet now the stalks they used were to torture people but the Bible doesn't say they were being tortured they were just shackled with their hands they were shackled to their feet pitch dark inner dungeon double jail you're not getting out no light, no, it's sanitary, was horrible, and just you and your boy Silas sitting here. What do you think they're going to do? Well, let's just keep reading. Verse 25, around midnight, isn't it amazing how the devil wants to attack you at midnight? When you lay your head down at night and you go to sleep and all the worries and the what ifs and I'm not good enough and all the cares of the world start thinking I will never become. Isn't it always something that the enemy at around the nighttime gets you in this inner dungeon and wants to lock you by deception? So around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And listen, the other prisoners were listening. Like, and this is fascinating. I, I'm going to make sure I point that out just in a moment. But the other prisoners were hearing Paul and Silas praising God. Now put yourself in position. You've just been beaten. You're in jail. That's in a jail. You are shackled, hands and feet. And all of a sudden, oh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, here comes the praise. And you start singing hymns and praising the Lord. Why would you praise God? Why? When, he, when someone walks out on you, when someone left you, someone abused you, someone talked bad about you, when you didn't get the promotion, your kid didn't get this, and all of a sudden, like, I ain't praising Wow, what holds us back from praising God? They were praising the Lord. And then all of a sudden, verse 26, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken. This was the first jailhouse rock. All my Elvis fans out there. This is the first jailhouse rock. Write it down. And the earth was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Was that by mistake or coincidence? The chains fell off. Here's my first point. The power or the praise, the power of the praise coming out of you has the power to break the chains that hold you. What chains are holding you right now? Most of them are a limited belief. It's a lie that the enemy has placed in your mind. I'll never be. I'll never become. I won't. And you feel it. And this is what's holding you back. I'll never have the marriage. My husband will never change. As if you can change a husband, ladies. Come on now. Right? As if you can change anybody. And this is, the, this is the battlefield. But let me tell you what, it's the praise that begins to break the chains that holds you back. I don't feel like praising. Start praising and then you'll feel like praising. It's, that's where the miracles begin to happen and come in your life is when you begin to praise the Lord. 
And so Paul and Silas says, I'm not going to let my circumstances, I'm not going to like what they say about me, I'm going to start praising. And when he did, a miracle happened in their life, and it began to break the chains that held them, all the chains. Don't miss this. Of everyone, even the prisoners, everyone, chains were broken. Verse 27, the jailer woke up to the jailhouse rock, and he see the prison doors were open, wide open. He assumed all the prisoners would have escaped, wouldn't you? Put yourself in their position. You're locked in jail. You're handcuffed or whatever. Your chains fall off. The door's open. Peace. <laughs> like, I'm out. Like, wait, wouldn't you go? Like, wouldn't you flee if you're doing None of them left. Not anyone. So he assumed they escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted, stop. That fascinates me. Paul stopped him. Paul didn't take advantage. Paul didn't say, you and your team is the one that put this on my back. Paul's like, you are the one that shackled me here. Here's what's coming back to you. Paul stopped him, and he says this. We are all here. Now, why are we? Why did everybody else escape? Because the power of the praise coming out of you has the power to change the whole atmosphere around you. When you begin to praise, it changes everyone around you. Do you remember what it says? They heard them praising the Lord and said, I got to get in on that. What is that? Why are they singing? How can they be praising? You see, praise is what shakes and changes the atmosphere. You got a bad atmosphere at work? Start praising. You got a bad atmosphere at school? Start praising. You got a bad atmosphere at home? Start praising him. It's the praise that changes the atmosphere that's around you. And they noticed it and it absolutely changed them. And so the question is, what's holding you back from praising? What atmosphere in your life that needs to be transformed and changed? That's keeping you from praising. Because so many people are like, man, I just, I just, wanna, I just I want a different marriage. I want a different job. I can't stand it. What if you start praising? And I don't know your circumstance. I don't know where you come from. I don't know the stuff that you carry with you. We all got a backpack, every one of us, that we have stuff in that's in our life. But here's what I love about following Jesus. I'm not defined by my past. My past no longer defines me. See, when I go back home, when I go back to Belford, back to Pike County, hometown, people remember me for who I used to be. You know, when you go back home, people remember who you used to be. <laughs> like, here comes that hellion. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been changed. You know, God's changed me. You know, they remember who you used to be. My past no longer is going to dictate my future anymore. And until you let your past die, it will never let your future live. You're not who you used to be. You're who God says you are now and who you're going to be in your life. So I'm no longer going to go, like, my, my depression hold me back. My anxiety hold me back. My addiction. That's who I used to be. I'm a new person now. So but when I begin to praise him, my chains begin to break. Mental chains. Physical chains. Emotional chains. Come on. That's where miracles happen. And we wonder why we don't want to praise him. Why are we not praising the Lord? Because listen, even if God through your praise doesn't change your circumstance, let me tell you something praise will do. It will change your perspective. It may not change your marriage, but now you begin to see your husband a little bit different. You begin to see your wife a little bit different. That boss you want to jack slap, you know who I'm talking about, right? That you can't stand. You start praising and now it didn't change your boss, but it changed you. And it changed your perspective. Why? Because the power of your praise has the power to change your atmosphere. Instead of trying to get out of that place, start praising in that place and see what God will do through you. Verse 29. I'm just getting started. The jailer called for the lights and ran into the dungeon, fell before trembling before Paul and Silas, and then brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be safe? Now, why in the world would that be your first question? 
They'd be like, dude, how'd you get so good at singing bass? You know what I'm saying? Like, how you got some worship going? Can I get you a CD, Paul? Could you sign it? Like, why does, why does he go and say, how do I do to be saved? Why would he even ask that? Why would that be the first question? Isn't it ironic that the little slave girl who went around for weeks saying, these boys will show you how to be saved. They serve the most high God, the one true God. You want to know how to be saved? You want eternal life? Talk to these boys. You don't think that jailer didn't hear that? Why are you in prison? Man, you hear what he did? That little girl going around saying that they could be saved. He knew the most high God. We don't, here in Rome, we got multiple gods, you know, but they could serve the most high God. They praise, jailhouse rock comes, chains break free. I got to get in on that. Boy, how do I get saved? He no longer cared what Rome thought about him anymore. He says, I want what you have. And what do you have? How must I be saved? Which means this. The praise coming out of you has the power to change the people around you. If you'll praise him. Do you see that? If you'll praise I don't feel like it. Start praising him. And you will. That's how powerful praise is. And that's why the demon and the devil don't want you to praise. If you begin to praise God, you'll begin to see miracles in your life. When you begin to just get before God and praise. So verse 31. So he replied, believe. He didn't say go to church. He didn't say read your Bible. He didn't say tithe. He didn't say pray a prayer. He didn't say walk an aisle. He said, you got to believe, bro. You want to be saved? You want to be transformed? You've got to believe. And if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Not only you, but everyone in your household. Why is that? You show me a dad sold out for Jesus, I'll show you a whole family sold out for Jesus. And if we can reach fathers who would raise up and be men of God and the spiritual leaders in the family, listen, we can change the world. by the fa- We can change your family tree. You show me this. And so his whole household followed him, and they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. Even at that night, the jailer <laughs> cared and washed the wounds that they put on their back. Isn't it amazing how praise changes everything? Change. They begin to wash their wounds. And then he and everyone in his house was immediately baptized. And if you keep on reading, it says they also had a meal together, which I would say was chicken. Because baptism and chicken and Baptist go together. Can I get a witness? You know what I'm saying? It's just good. You're going to get baptized. We're going to have some chicken. That's just what we do. And so it's going to be good for you. So they go in and they have this meal and everything's great. So my question is, what's holding you back from praising him? What is it that keeps you? And I hear it all the time, especially when it comes to guys. I'm just not the emotional type of person. Are you kidding me? I go to ball games with you, bro. You scream and yell at games. If your team's winning, it is like going crazy. If they're losing, you say some things to the ref that you probably wouldn't be, you'd be ashamed of. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you, you scream. And if you go to an event or to a concert, listen to me. You will worship whatever you put your worth in. And every one of us are worshipers. You're either worshiping money, your bank account, your accolades, who you are, your job, your degrees. You worship something. What people think about you, oh my gosh, I got 12 likes on Insta. Okay, that's what you worship. That's what you're looking for. Why? Because you will worship what you put your worth in. And I'm telling you what, God is worthy of your worth because if someone dies for me, forgives me of all my sin, cancels out hell, hell and guarantees me heaven, no matter what's going on in my life, that's worth to be praise that's worthy of praise even if everything if all hell breaks loose in my life that alone is worthy of my praise but we're locked by deception because we think we got to feel it before we praise it and i hear people say fake it till you feel it you don't fake it till you feel it that's a hypocrite you faith it till you feel it and believe that god's going to come through that's faith that god you will 
fix my marriage. You will break this addiction. You'll help me, and you fill in the blank. That's what praise does. So my question is, is what is holding you back? We are to praise him at all times in our lives because you will worship something, and he is worthy to be worshipped. So as I was preparing this, when I was going through it, I started thinking, what blocks people from praising him? Like, okay, that's good. I should praise him. But what is keeping me and keeping you from praising the Lord? And so I, I thought about these. I wrote these three things down. They all start with P because I'm a little bit of Baptist. So there's three P's and these three things that, that, that I really thought about this. Like what holds people back? And the first thing I would share with you is private sin. Private sin will keep you from praising the Lord. And when I say private sin, I'm not talking about secret sin like nobody, like it's behind closed door nobody knows. I'm talking about unconfessed sin. And when you have unconfessed sin in your life, you will not praise him. In fact, you'll be like Adam and Eve. You want to run and hide from him because you feel guilty. You feel dirty. You feel shame. Like, oh, I can't believe I did that. So what happens is we go all week long. We ain't confess anything. And we walk in here on Sunday morning and you're sitting there like you've been sucking on a lemon all week. I ain't praising. And you're like, it's so funny because you'll go everywhere else and you'll praise the things you worship. But then you come in here and you resist. You resist breaking free. You resist from praising him. It could be, it could be that you have unconfessed sin in your life. Imagine, you before you come in corporate worship, and I'm telling you what, if anything last year taught us, we need each other. Like we need to corporately worship the ecclesia, the called out ones of the world to get together and worship the one true God. We need this. And I'm so thankful through technology, we're able to broadcast this all over the world. We got people writing in from Atlanta, from Cleveland, from Montana, saying, listen, God is using the ministry of Bear Life Church to reach our lives and change us. And I'm so thankful. But this is just a supplement of community that you and I desperately need. And last year taught us we need each other. We need to be with each other. And there's something about corporate praise and worship together. But imagine if you come in and you, before you come on next week, and you get before the Lord and you say, God, is there anything between me and you that's going to hinder me from praising you? And then the Holy Spirit reveals and you confess it. You see, as a Christian, I don't confess my sin to be saved again. When I put my faith and trust in Jesus, I've been adopted in the family. I've been bought with the blood of Jesus. I'm part of the family of God. So as a believer, when I confess my sins, it's not for my relationship. It's for my fellowship. And private sin will block your fellowship from praising him. So every Sunday before I get up, I say this. I say, God, is there anything between me and you that I need to confess? Because I want to stand before your people with a pure heart and clean motives. And my heart will be pure so that when you speak through me, that God, that sin isn't hindering my life. And I've filtered this and filtered this and said, fine. And sometimes God says, you said this, you thought this, shouldn't this. And you confess it. Rapid repentance. You just confess it. So the fellowship of the Spirit will flow through you. Imagine if every one of us at the Moorhead campus, at the Grayson campus. We get before God before we came here and worship. Said, God, is there anything between me and you? And we cleared the air before we walked in this place. This place couldn't hold us, y'all. We blow the roof off of it. They'd hear us over in Huntington. And y'all know West Virginia needs Jesus. Come on now. Y'all know that. You know it. You're closer than we are, and you know it. You know Ohio needs Jesus. Come on, Portsmouth. You right? You know it, Gallup Police. You need it. Imagine the praise of his people overflow changes the atmosphere of this region. And people go, I got to get in on that. What is that? How can I be saved? That's what I'm talking. That's what praise does. And that's what we as the children of God should do. We should praise. So private sin, but here's something else. Pride. Pride will block praise. God hates pride. The devil became the devil because of pride. 
I will ascend. I will become great. I will overthrow. That's all pride. When it's about you, it's, it's pride. And some people just won't get the praise on because they're worried what people think about them. Some of you have been raised in churches like, no, you don't move. You, don't, you just stand there, right? You just stand. Like, you, 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 you raise your hand. Like, ah, you know, can I raise my hand, right? And, like, you, you just, like, that's what you do. What is people going to think about me? What's my wife going to think about me when I start to raise my hand and pray? Because you know how I treat her this week. Woo, that'll preach right there, right? Pride will keep you from praising the Lord. And some of us, we've got pride in our heart. And we've got to ask God to break that pride so that it will flow praises through us. And when praise comes, miracles come. That's what usher in miracles in our life is to praise him. So we should start praising him. And then the third thing is preferences. Do you know why most churches split? Preferences. Not doctrine, not theology, preference. It's what you want, how you want it, when you want it. People won't get the praise on. They didn't sing my song. I'm serious. I'm telling you. Well, that's just not my style. I don't know why I get in that voice when I start thinking like that. I, don't know. I just uh, pray for me. You pastor needs it. Like, that's just not my style. Listen to me. It's not about a song. It's not about a style. It's about a Savior that we come and worship. When you come in here and you think it's all about you, someone's in my seat. Someone took my parking place. When you think it's about you, you ain't going to get no praise on because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. So imagine if all of us at all of our locations came in and said, it's all about him. I, I got unconfessed sin out of my life. God broke the pride. Man, I'm telling you what, the praises from this place would overflow and people are like, dude, what is going on over there? And we get to point them to Jesus, not to us. So here's my suggestion. Here's my suggestion. I think that we should start, instead of having praise blocks, I think we should start having praise breaks. We need praise breaks in our life. We, I don't care if you need a schedule. My, my watch is pretty sophisticated. It, it'll pop up and it says, you've been settings too long, stand. I'm like, oh, thanks for the reminder. And I'll stand up and I'll stand. And all of a sudden, in the first service, it did this. Like right now, it says, breathe. I'm like, yoga, breathe. What if I schedule praise breaks? It doesn't matter if it's scheduled or if it's spontaneous. Praise break will usher in miracles of life. I have a verse for this. Look what the psalmist says, Psalms 119, 164. I will praise you seven times a day. Seven times a day, I'm going to stop and I'm going to praise you. Imagine rolling with that, bro. Imagine rolling with this dude. You're going to the game. Yo, dog, pull over, pull over. Why? I got to get my praise on. It's praise break time, y'all. I got to get my praise on. I'm like, come on, broke. You've already done that once. I'm going to do it seven times a day. Imagine. If that was our hearts, but we wait. Well, I just got to wait for everything. I got to wait for I get that job. If I get that job, I'll praise him. If I get that doctor's report back, I'll praise him. If my husband comes back, I'll praise him. If my wayward kid comes home, I'll praise him. If that addiction is broke, then I'll begin to praise him. You don't understand. It's the praise that causes the miracle. Amen. Do the praising, even when you don't feel like it, and the miracles will flow in your life. That's not me. I'm just telling you from what God's word says, and that's what I'm encouraged us to do. But I'm going to be honest with you, and this is why I say this. Until we begin to have praise, practice praise privately, we won't practice praise publicly. See, we should come here on Sunday from an overflow. What God's already been doing on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday as the church comes in, we just overflow what God's been doing in our life and overflow that through the praises of our lips. So 
My response is, I'm going to ask at both of our locations, if our worship team, if you could just, the worship teams, come on back up. Because we're going to have a time, just in a moment, we're going to praise. Because this is a sermon, we get to practice what we preach. And you get to practice this, we're going to practice, pray, and we're going to sing our way out of here. But my invitation is twofold for you today. Maybe the reason why you can't praise him is because you don't know him. You know about him, right? I mean, you know about him, but do you know him? Like, do you know him that you have a relationship with him? Like, like, you know, you can know, like, I know, Le- I know about LeBron, but man, he don't know me. I ain't got no relationship with him. Like, do you know him? Do you have that relationship with him that can radically change your life? And that might be the reason why it's hard to praise him, because you just don't know him. And I'm here to tell you, walking an aisle won't change you. Checking a box won't change you. Saying a prayer won't change you. Being dunked won't change you. Showing up. Let me tell you what changed. When your heart declares that Jesus is Lord, your lips can proclaim it. It's a heart. How must I be saved? Believe. And not a belief I believe about him. Because most people in the Eastern Kentucky area in our region go, I believe there's a God. I believe something about him. But they don't follow him. See, listen to me. If you say you believe in Jesus and your life has never been changed, you have the wrong belief. Because when I truly believe, it changes me. See, my eighth grade year, I walked an aisle, said a prayer, was baptized, never changed. My senior year in high school, walked an aisle, said a prayer, was baptized, never changed. Finally, as a junior in college, God radically changed my life. Because finally, my heart believed, my lips declared it, and God changed me. Listen, that same change can come to you. Pastor, you don't know what I've come from. You don't know my passion. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's what I love about Jesus. We all get to start over fresh. We all get a second chance. We don't deserve a second chance. You know what you and I deserve? Hell. But God gave us a second chance. And how do I know he gave you a second chance? You're here. You thought you'd come in because someone brought you to come or someone said they're going to take you out and get coffee after. Listen, Aaron's going to do that for me. And you think that's what's going to happen. No, 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 no. You're here because the sovereign God woke you up this morning, gave you breath this morning, brought you here this morning for you to respond this morning to his word. That's him. So what's keeping you back from praising him? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Two responses. Here's the first one. If you're a believer, put your faith in Jesus. I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord, is there any unconfessed sin in your life? Is there anything keeping you from praising Him? And whatever the Holy Spirit pulls up in your mind, confess it. Don't try to justify, why I deserve to say that to them, or they made me mad. No, 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 don't justify it. What is it? What sin? And you know what I'm talking about. It's the sin. It's the one that you struggle with. Confess it. Someone hurt you, wronged you, and you won't praise because you're mad and you're angry and you're bitter and someone walked out on you, someone abused you, someone hurt you, and you're mad and you're holding on to it. Listen, listen. Forgiveness is not for them. Forgiveness is for you. Confess it. And then the second is that I beg you, if the Spirit is drawing you, please respond. Give your life to Him. He loves you. He died for you. He got up out of the grave for you. And if that has touched your heart this morning, if there's something within you going, I need this transformation, I need Jesus, then I'm going to ask you just to pray and cry out to him right now. To say, Jesus, I want you to pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. 
And today, as best as I know how, I repent of my sin and I put all my faith and trust in you. Now break the chains in my life. Help me follow you all the days of my life. I really, really sense that some of you, you really, for the very first time, cried out to the Lord and the Lord heard you, changed you. He's adopting you right now, putting you in the family of God. And I'm going to ask you to do something pretty bold. I didn't do this in the first service. I just feel compelled to do it in, in, in this service because you guys are the rowdy bunches. You know what I'm saying? So I just feel it. I just want to, if you today say, Pastor Daniel, I just want to let you know, man, I just, I just prayed with you, bro. And the praises of these people has opened up my heart because praise changes the atmosphere. Change, praise breaks change and praise changes people. And you guys are crazy, but it's the craziest for the Lord that's really opened my eyes to see him. If that's you and you pray with me, I'm asking you something very bold right now. If that's you, then I just want to know because I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Dan, let you know I just prayed for you. Come on, get your hand up. Get your hand up, come on. Anybody else? Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. Listen to me. The only thing that gives you the power to even raise your hand is the Holy Spirit. The devil don't want you to do that. The devil wants you to run. Hide, shame, guilt. And never be good enough. Jesus says, come as you are. I love you just as you are. Come on. Your sin doesn't cause me to run away from you. Your sin causes me to run to you. <laughs> and for that reason, he's worthy of our praise. So we get to practice that. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy that's near every day. I thank you so much for everyone who just raised their hand that, God, you give them supernatural strength, supernatural power, that you perform supernatural miracles in their life. Today, today set them free. Today let them know they've been changed. Today, Lord, just move in their heart and their life like you've never had before. Open their eyes to see Jesus, for if we will see him, we will never be the same. Thank you that our lips can proclaim you, that we can praise you, and praise is what ushers miracles in our life because, God, we all need them. And so whatever miracle needs to be happening in this house today. God, Holy Spirit, it's all you. We trust you. We believe in you. We ask you to move, not on our behalf, but on Jesus, who's the author and the perfecter of our faith. For it's in his name we ask and we pray.